Welcome to the next edition of Fixed Interest, where we're going to be discussing Mexico. My name is Shelley Shetty, and I'm a managing director in the America's Sovereign Team. I'm happy to be joined by Charles Civil, Senior Director and the Primary Analyst for Mexico. As you know, we recently downgraded Mexico's ratings by one notch from triple B to triple B minus with stable outlook. Today, we will be discussing the main rationale behind our rating action and our overall views on how Mexico is placed to face the current difficult circumstances of global recession, including the contraction in the U.S., lower oil prices, and the potential hit from lower remittances and tourism receipts. So, Charles, can you discuss the main rationale behind our recent rating action on Mexico? Thanks, Shelley. Well, I think the first thing to say is we're trying to look forward. We haven't actually seen a big deterioration in credit metrics yet for Mexico, but we know it's coming. There's going to be a steep recession, uh, an uncertain recovery path, and debt and deficits are going to be much higher than we previously expected. And I think we simply judged that Mexico didn't have enough room to absorb all of this at the triple B rating level. And I think, you know, over the past few months, year, we have we did actually downgrade Mexico from triple B plus to triple B in June. It was on a stable outlook, but I think credit risks were starting to tilt more to the downside. And now we have the corona and oil shocks, and that, that's a major recession and a big test for policymakers. Charles, let's talk a little bit about the economy. Uh, what are the main drivers of the economic recession? How bad do you think it can get? And how does this compare with the experience of 2008, 2009? And should we really be expecting a fast recovery to take place in 2021? Well, Mexico is subject to domestic and external shocks. So these include exposure to the U.S. and a fall in oil prices. Tourism revenue is 3% of GDP. That supports a lot of employment and remittances are going to come under pressure as well. So we expect the economy to contract by at least 4% in 2020. That would be slightly less, actually, than in 0809 and to recover by 2.1% in 2021. These uh, numbers are very much subject to revision. We finalised the forecast at the very beginning of the month. So Mexico is a very open economy. That's a point we need to emphasise, and its manufacturing sector is very dependent on global value chains and US demand. And I think one of the issues that concerns us with the economy is that Mexico comes into this crisis basically with no growth. And it's partly a product of shocks, like trade shocks and trade uncertainty, but it did also stem from the new administration's policies or, or way of applying rules, which uh, seems to have discouraged private investment. Investment actually fell 5% in real terms in 2019. And it was we know now that it was still contracting early in 2020. So we weren't going to get that recovery that we'd expected at the time of our last review. Uh, now, of course, everything's changed. But I think the same factors are going to hamper the recovery from the coronavirus shock. I think what will happen is that the economy will having locked down, gradually reopen in, in the same kind of pattern we see elsewhere in the world. But, you know, how quickly we can get back to normality, uh, I think, is an open question. And I think one thing supporting the growth perspective is the, the strategic location in North America and the fact that you know, Mexico signed the USMCA, which is going to come into force midway through this year. What is the overall policy flexibility that Mexico has to respond to the current external shock and how are you assessing the overall policy response so far? Well, the monetary policy framework is credible and it seems to be working quite well. So they're letting the peso depreciate. It's actually depreciated by 25% since the start of the year. And that's helping the economy adjust to this shock. At the same time, the central bank is setting interest rates to help hit the inflation target. It's essentially the framework that they've, they've always used. 
At the same time, there's been quite nimble uh, monetary policy, macroprudential policy actions to supply local currency to the financial system, also foreign currency, help local debt markets function and, and so on. So been quite a, a good policy response there. But we think that the central bank is going to be more cautious than some central banks in the region that have slashed rates really to the lower bound. One reason is that the peso is one of the world's most traded currencies. There have been some problems hitting the inflation target. It, you know, it was back within the target range. I think the central bank is also cognizant of vulnerability to capital outflows. We saw 5.5 billion exit the government bond market in the first quarter, uh, actually, well, until early April. And that's around a 6% decline since the end of, of 2019. We see the external finances of Mexico actually is uh, pretty well-placed. Um, there's no current account deficit to speak of. Current account is basically balanced. And Mexico has pretty formidable reserves that really amply cover short-term debt or any gross external financing requirement. What about fiscal flexibility? Several countries in the region have announced sizable fiscal and quasi-fiscal support packages, and Mexico really stands out as a country that has the smallest fiscal package out there. Why is that, and what credit implications does that have for Mexico? Well, that's right. I think the reason is that Mexico has prioritized fiscal rules and it's sought to prevent the federal public sector debt ratio from rising. President Lopez Obrador been very much on board with that. He's advocated Republican austerity and, and prefers not to borrow, uh, although he has some priority projects and he's protected those so far. So Mexico actually in its mid-year budget revision earlier in April announced that the deficit would widen by around 2% of GDP. That's partly on falling revenue and partly on higher spending. It's going to finance this not by borrowing, but by using trust funds. These include the oil revenue, the budget revenue stabilization fund, uh, but also a series of other trust funds. And uh, you know that will that will minimise the, the debt increase. But we we think that you know it's quite likely that there will be a further fiscal policy response that we simply don't know about yet, as it stands. You know, we have, for example, a health fund. This was constituted by Congress and it could be worth up to 0.7% of GDP, but it's not 100% clear that it's a spending pledge, but you know, it could end up being spending that gets, that gets carried out. Some context on the public finances. Our, the general government debt ratio was 43% at the end of 2019. That's, it's been pretty stable, actually, over the past five years, but it is 10 percentage points higher than it was on the eve of the 2008 crisis. So it's not so much irresponsible fiscal policy. It's just, in our view, perhaps more could be done to correct some of the weaknesses, the structural weaknesses in public finances, such as the low tax take. And I think looking forward in so far as we can, 2021 looks like, you know, another challenging year for public finances. Now let's shift our focus to Pemex, which is clearly a source of contingent liability for the sovereign and is suffering from the oil price shock and falling production in recent years. How are we incorporating the risk from Pemex in the sovereign rating of Mexico? Well, we've seen a major shock to the oil price, which will have a big impact on Pemex's cash flows. The, the Mexican oil export barrel is actually trading, at, was trading at about $17 a barrel. In the revised budget, the assumption was 25. So we see more support for Pemex on the cards. And we don't include Pemex debt in the debt data that we use in our model. So we actually adjust the model output downwards by a notch to help capture these risks. So I think in doing that, we've anticipated some of the pressure on the sovereign rating from support from Pemex. 
Pemex we actually downgraded earlier in April by a notch, widening the gap with the sovereign to, to three notches. So I think big picture, we expect the government to have to inject more capital into Pemex or lower the tax take. Finally, Charles, before we end, what will be the future rating drivers for Mexico's ratings? And do you see it remaining in investment grade? Well, I think this will depend on, on several factors. One is the global economic picture, how things pan out, the path of um, the coronavirus. I think in Mexico in particular, it will also boil down to whether the economy can recover and get back to a growth path. That will depend on public and private sectors. I think the government will have to uh, outline a credible fiscal strategy that obviously finances the, the pandemic response, but also eventually sets out a course for stabilizing public debt. And that you know could include raising revenues in some kind of tax reform. It'll also, we'll also be looking to see whether the credibility of the monetary policy framework is retained. That's been you know, certainly a strength of Mexico's credit profile. And I think Mexico has many other strengths share and shares these with investment grade sovereigns. One in particular is, you know, the deep local capital market. Mexico's debt is 80% uh, on the local market. So I think, then I think finally, it'll be a, an overall assessment of policy credibility, whether this deteriorates or, or not, uh, because that really has underpinned Mexico's uh, investment grade rating. Thanks a lot, Charles, for your insights. Uh, thank you for listening and more on Mexico. You can access our research on our website, fitchratings.com. Hope you will join us in the next Fixed Interest podcast. Thank you.